we say children are unique yeah. but unfortunately when we start designing for them we lose the uniqueness that they could bring and render in our city planning and urban development hello and welcome to the season 2 of understanding the future I'm your host Punit Gandhi and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into season 1. Hello and welcome to the season 2 of Understanding the Future. I am your host Punit Gandhi and today we have with us Ruchi Verma. She is the founder and CEO of Humankind. She has been a part of many fellowships including Ecoing Green Fellow and Dalai Lama Fellow. She will help us understand the cities for children on today's episode. Welcome to the show Ruchi. Hi uh, Hi. So let's let's start with the most basic question. what is children friendly cities what are we talking about when we are talking about that i'll just jump to what we are seeing around us sure. first of all uh, you might be knowing uh, that the world is going urban yeah most of the population would be living in cities by 2050 yeah and therefore if we are talking about understanding the future we really need to invest in the present which is yeah. children yeah and uh, where we see uh, children for cities is that children are active participants right now yeah. so that they become those citizens who are climate friendly uh, you know uh, population uh, friendly more compassionate more eco friendly yeah. these are the type of citizens we would want to in our cities in the future we yeah. want them to respect biodiversity we want them to respect elderly as well yeah. as create a uh, future low carbon pathways in which our population doesn't die but <laughs> it is a very future proofing approach and we are uh, constantly living the human um, humans are living on this planet even beyond 2050 so that is what yeah. i feel child friendly cities are on the very basic lines child friendly cities currently need attention first of all to be given to children Mm-hmm. i mean i right now they are rendered invisible and they are rendered forgotten so mm-hmm. the first step to child friendly cities is recognize that there is 34% of the urban population right now yeah. uh, below 18 yeah and they need voice they need rights and they need agency yeah to build cities of future absolutely and i i agree with that and 34% uh, for urban al- almost translates to like what 120 110 130 million uh, population now are we when we are talking about it there is a set of divide on what kind of child we are talking about as well so there is a category of 0 to 5 where they are just uh, imbibing everything in their surrounding but then they start growing and then comes the teenager years uh so how are we talking about uh, are we talking about each of this set or are we talking about certain individual sets as of now 
So first of all, right till right now, uh, children have been seen as this monolithic group. Statistically, yeah. and all for our development agendas, we like to see zero to five because yeah. there are things that need to be counted and statistically measured, and you know we need to look at other statistical uh, performance on like how the health index is, how nutrition is happening, and it kind of yeah. that's how the development agenda is moving forward. But what if you look at it from a child's perspective? Yeah, child across zero to eighteen will have different. demands and different needs and yeah. what we kind of do is when we put all of them in this one large monolithic uh, uh, you know umbrella called uh, children we yeah. tend to lose out uh, main and mainstream we tend to lose out on their needs we yeah. kind of forget that teenagers especially have some different demands yeah. from the city so when we think of children we think of playgrounds we think of you know children playing but i don't think children, teenagers these days want to play you know they have certain yeah. different they want to be independent yeah. and that doesn't translate into something which our neighborhoods or our cities are offering them we yeah. immediately put them in the bracket of youth which yeah. they uh, you know definitely want to be but they definitely have their own demands similarly school going children or children who are not going to school children yeah. of single parents versus singles of parents so you know the, the lenses have to be really different if you want to look at future proofing because yeah. uh, we say children are unique yeah. but unfortunately when we start designing for them we lose the uniqueness that they could bring and render in our city planning and urban development yeah and i i do believe that they are uh, they do have a very amazing different perspective than what we have and somehow if we can utilize it much more i think we will be in a much much better Absolutely. state uh, so but uh, for me as someone who is not from planning background i always feel that uh, when we are talking about designing it's much more easy for greenfield projects than brownfield projects and how does that function as of now when we are talking about cities for children actually for uh, when you talk about children and you talk about brownfield projects i think they are much better because okay. there is existing population there right yeah and you can involve those populations give them a voice and see what they demand and that could be the baseline for greenfield projects when you consider okay. something on greenfield projects there is no pop- so you know when you create any sort of real estate or you create environments or built environments yeah. there is there are two things that happen one that you kind of adapt to what is given by the planner and architect yeah. and second you see you know informal uh, informally it being adapted by the population also yeah. so yeah. you start looking at uh, how people will start you know they, you've been given balconies but then people will start putting uh, chadar and you know you they sukhana to wahi hai you know that yeah. sort of thing uh, very uh, because there is somewhere people have been out of the process Yeah. and therefore when you talk about children and cities participation is key because what children do is they don't look at sectors they look yeah. at a very strong human perspective yeah. they are humans they want everybody to be friends they have yeah. high degree of compassion with them so they think of all populations they think of them they think of their uh, grandparents they think yeah. of their teachers they also think of other children who probably do not have any uh, you know access to school but they look at them begging yeah. so they have questions 
and when you then go to them and ask them to create a world where yeah. they would like they would want everybody to be seen as equal they yeah. would like to you know provide or they will have very critical questions for example why are sparrows missing in cities you know yeah. we all know this very famous case study of you know how uh, urban development and like cities have actually removed sparrows from cities so they True. would want birds they want color and yeah. while as planners and designers we have all these tools something happens that on ground this doesn't translate into what beautiful renders look like yeah. and uh, i think by creating a strong voice behind your project yeah. especially a young voice it kind of anchors the whole community towards a shared purpose because that shared purpose is not only for you know children they are yeah. also saying okay my mother wants to sit my father you know needs to cycle or you know i want to cycle with my dad yeah. so where are all these uh, questions how are they translating to that is where i feel that in brownfield projects we ag- exactly have the demand yeah. and we can also supply that demand you know we can do a very design and data driven objective with children and come up with solutions but what yeah. we can't do with greenfield projects is that there is a level of adaptability that will come later hmm. but we can definitely do a lot of brownfield projects and understand what the critical mass needs in yeah. a certain geography in a certain age group and deliver it in greenfield projects okay uh, so when again uh, coming then to the brownfield side of it uh, like I, i my my perception will go over there that okay when we are talking about developing neighborhoods uh what are we talking about is it essentially uh making speed restrictions or more bumps or more uh it's not just playground uh but what other things are we talking about when we are saying develop such neighborhoods so personally i am a very strong proponent of everyday life right yeah. so your everyday life your 24 hours are like like these small screens of films that you know you leave the home you have a yeah. street then you reach outside your house then you have you know a main street you start yeah. looking at more vehicles more people a bazaar and then you go to the bus stop and everything like this happens so when you talk about what neighborhood should actually look like these are the screens children look at and mm. they question each and everything at the end how do you feel emotionally by the end of it does your neighborhood make you feel scared does your mm. neighborhood restrict you constrict you hmm. does your neighborhood not allow you to cycle or be independent does your neighborhood not have enough greenery where are the people why are yeah. why am i restricted to play one area and why the poor child is not allowed to play in one area yeah. you know so all of this is, so when i talk about neighborhood for children it is actually anchored in a lot of a degree of social cohesion and democracy yeah and that kind of uh, will pave the way to a human centered approach to design yeah. when we started working at humankind uh, or humankind was actually built on this uh, context that 45 children were dying daily yeah. and that's almost like eliminating one classroom a day so wow. yeah it is it is as we speak like over one year you can imagine how many children would have died and yeah. while this is statistically everywhere people parents neighbors they don't relate to the statistics because they don't see that impacted so yeah. the two things happen one was that they will say okay my child will not move out anymore yeah. because there is 
high probability of them dying and the yeah. second is uh, we as a uh, as others who are yeah. like almost normalized or have no call to action need yeah. to come together and show children that we are invested in them and yeah. let's do something and then all these screens which i was talking to you about those flashes which you know of yeah. uh, different spaces the children move to one by one that starts coming uh, becoming a tool for change so yeah. this is what we do at human kind and this is what we expect our neighbors neighborhoods to yeah. you know uh, transform to just to add a very small uh, anecdote whenever i speak to elderly they keep telling us about the old purane mohalle yeah. you know our old cities their life yeah. uh, how they were and uh, then they tell us that you know you guys don't do anything and yeah. our generation tells the kids you don't do anything yeah you know so you can see the world shrinking yeah. uh, in terms of you know what personal freedom and independence looks like yeah and i think for a child to be creative a critical thinker have the skills for future spaces yeah. and cities and neighborhoods really have an important uh, uh, really have an important place in this whole development narrative so to speak i absolutely agree with that because i have i've seen like i come from a township culture so i have always had that safe neighborhood i was never worried mm-hmm. about okay what time i am going out because there was always a security guard who would not let us go out so my parents also always felt safe and because they felt safe they let me do anything inside that complex we had lot of gardens so we never had a scarcity of playgrounds to play and i think because of that i have grown up with lot of more friends and i just can see that now that how that translates into it uh but that is my concern as well that as uh, someone who has started living in cities for last 5 years now i don't see any of such spaces coming up or i don't see uh, how can kids of this day and age uh, get that kind of facility uh, and that becomes very difficult so how can that be translated into uh, their development uh, because it's not just physical i feel but it's also mental development of sorts you're absolutely right actually if you look at the international mandate of the sustainable development goals you yeah. look at the uncrc you look at declaration of human rights each and every one has uh, uh, given children the platform to be equals yeah. uh, india is a signatory to all of them but there is something when it translates to uh, local implementation we yeah. are still stuck in our uh, you know jaded vicious processes of how governance takes place yeah and in that to bring an, e- an uh, equal seat a child getting an equal seat at that table we really need to be more innovative so i can uh, tell you from experience that what we have done so far with our crosswalk program which is our flagship program at human kind is what we try to do is that we try to give make design more accessible to children hmm. and ask them to co-design a safe school street okay through a human centered approach and yeah. what we told them is now you have a blueprint now you go to each in every stakeholder because since we are uh, aligned to the sustainable development goals we leave no one behind literally yeah. 
Yeah. So they will go to each and every stakeholder and they reach the political decision maker, the MLA or the mm. ward committee member, anybody. So they start looking at how different stakeholders and different lenses look at their voices. Mm. They're able to understand that uh, democracy is messy and they're also able to understand that they need to ri- jump in right now into oh, it. Wow. Yeah. So while we will be trying to advocate for policy change and everybody who's working in the urban sector knows policy change takes time even yeah. if the policy comes up policy implementation takes a longer time yeah. we can get our because there is a paradigm already there we choose our leaders so yeah. within the framework of you know uh, elective electoral democracy we can bring these nuanced changes and it is us at the bottom up level we can look at how can we bring children right there because um, any such project will take a long time so I'm expecting these children to grow yeah. as you know informed teenagers and yeah. then so we work with class uh, we work with age group of 7 to 11 okay and then uh, we are expecting that they when they become informed teenagers they can mobilize a lot many youth yeah and you know they are ready to take bigger challenges head on. Yeah. with the elected representatives so yeah. we in if you talk about these different realities if you talk about the lack of participation uh, it's just about showing up to meet the challenge yeah because the framework exists there is support i think the lack of uh, cohesion or bringing people together in one space that is yeah. the most difficult task but if not anybody i think children are the user groups who can bring you know, every other age group to one place. That would be very interesting to see as well, because uh, now uh, while we are talking, I'm thinking just on the lines that, okay, if you're, uh, so how do we make sure that they are part of all of our conversations uh, while uh, master plan is being made or while any other plan for the city or neighborhood is being developed? uh, How can children's be included in this kind of uh, thought process and how can their stakeholder uh, be taken up on that scale as well mm-hmm. so uh, in the mandate of localizing the goals i think the first and prime most uh, 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 point that we could anchor is decentralization of power mm-hmm. that is the first and foremost thing i think that will kind of help build up a very strong bottom-up movement of whatever design we are taking up, either it is a small street like ours or a master plan of a city. But what also I feel is that this whole process needs to have a lot of intention setting. Like you really need to go at length to bring children in and give them the comfort to walk with you for the longest time, which you want. I think most of our practices uh, are a very like are limited in terms of participation or they are guided by a timeline that yeah. you know kind of forces us to fall short on expectations of people yeah. and if we kind of not look at the formal processes but look at that yes we want to bring in children and we want to go at length so we are yeah. not going to follow this mandate but we are going to come up with a very innovative way of looking at how to engage and definitely I feel that you know by doing polls or by doing short meetings it is just about kind of like stimulating the uh, you know need but you will not be able to get any 
input from them until and unless they feel they are equal or they are welcomed or they are needed and it's not yeah. just for a one hour or two hour or five hours or 10 hour whatever engagement i say that because i've seen this from our workshop like we have uh, involved children till now so we started from the design to the consensus building to the final uh, submission to the yeah. government and we are also wanting to involve them in the implementation and monitoring and management so okay. when you know that the power is in their hand yeah. not our hand as architects as planners as urban development professionals we are just facilitators yeah. because we have the advantage of going to a college and understanding yeah. these systems from an expert point of view but the yeah. ground realities and everyday experiences are with them and they have to take it forward and they have to live it so i feel that these uh, to make anything uh, work yeah. they should be the larger stakeholder and we should be the smaller stakeholder of the process yeah yeah and that that does uh, make sense for me as well that okay uh, they uh, eventually we are growing that part of the city or we are growing that part of the neighborhood where they are going to come and live again uh so while we are developing it for today it needs to be future centric as well to a certain extent and how would they put it would make it much more interesting on those lines uh but w- when we are talking about such things h- how are we considering so again one of the major issues i feel that any city has with uh, kids is safety and we are not just talking about uh, i'm i'm not sure about the statistics uh, directly but as you had pointed out earlier that around 30 to 40 kids are killed uh, because of road safety i'm also assuming in big cities especially in and around slums that uh, the number of kidnappings and trafficking would also be quite high uh, how do we take those things into consideration when we are talking about such things uh so i just want to start with something about safety sure. in terms of safety there would be like physical safety and there is psychological safety if you don't yeah. look at like don't color the sort of kids we are talking about in yeah. both these segments of physical and psychological yeah uh both are at risk right uh the way we build our cities if they are unsafe then actually physical safety is at harm but also a lot of psychological safety affects uh, parents yeah. as well and that in turn affects the child uh, independence and freedom of children etc etc like you yeah. know it just is a ripple effect domino effect going on when you talk about other so- essential other sort of safety definitely child trafficking uh, you know there are children at high risk uh not even like in terms of this physical safety aspect but also public health safety yeah. you know so uh there is a lot that city how the way you plan your cities the way you design your cities determine the quality of life of our child will grow up in both these segments yeah. of safety and uh when you talk really about these low income children it they are the vulnerable road users so to speak they yeah. are the ones who are walking and cycling for most of the uh, their lifetime True. their families are those who are at risk uh, they are the ones who are the statistics on our uh, yeah. you know, records who are yeah. dying and when you talk about 
people living in slums the only thing is that they first need to get agency that they are also citizens they have a right to the city mm-hmm. you know what we forget is that they don't have a like unko bilkul because they are living in chuggi chopri you don't consider them as mm-hmm. uh, citizens but migrants and but most of our city runs because of migrants and yeah. we kind of forget that i hope the last year has taught us and shown us that we need to be mindful of you know and more respectful of them yeah. uh children in these slums have a very happy quality of life if i want to because they can convert they have a lot more independence uh, yeah. if you compare to children living in gated communities yeah. children in gated communities have the same like playground for their lifetime and they kind of yeah. tend to get bored out of it then yeah. most of them shift to video games and other sort of risk of health like obesity etc start coming out but children in the slums they convert their everyday streets into you know innovative playgrounds or they can convert it into school or they can you know do a lot of role play there so yeah. in my mind i think this becomes a very healthy space for them uh, obviously in terms of what health means it could be like discussed but children in these slums are at high risk definitely yeah. because they pay. but i also feel there are a lot more eyes on street in a slum you know True. which is not there so uh, uh trafficking and other sort of social challenges which these uh, children face child protection you know yeah. uh, child rights their mothers getting beat domestic violence yeah uh, this is uh, something which is more of a societal uh, plague which we definitely need to clean if we are given if the slums are given agency or a right yeah. to be visible then lot more social policies can enter these areas right yeah i think it all starts from rights and values and how you see people or your neighbors yeah and children children observe all of this they kind of see how your parents how our parents are looking at other parents how our parents are looking at a certain you know segment of population and that is the notion that starts coming into it so it's a very um, it's a like i say it's a universal responsibility for all of us yeah. to attend to compassion and kindness as a holistic value because all of this translates into our systems and structures and uh, how we live yeah yeah uh, and uh, so coming to the next part is then towards the playgrounds that you are mentioning that and this is again something uh, i also feel that okay you give them one ground and they are going to outgrow that ground it's not even like uh, just mentally but physically as well because that small ground was good enough when they were small as they grow up they need a bigger one they need more space they need bigger games uh and then with the growing cities that becomes much more difficult to have and i think that is also one of the reasons or might be one of the reasons uh of shifting to video games because they have that ground to play what they want to play uh and as much as that might help them in strategy and those kind of development processes it's still taking a lot of toll on their physical health uh so are there any kind of uh, pro- uh, i don't know processes or new tools or techniques which help in developing such kind of systems for grounds or playgrounds in general uh, i don't have anything that i can think of immediately but yeah. i do want to tell you one thing that 
as children grow uh, obviously they get into like group games and they want to play cricket or they want yeah. to play like uh, larger but what we have done with our uh, housing or neighborhood design is that we've started uh, dividing it into gated colonies and yeah. you start dividing all of this into gated colonies the open spaces are reducing further but the stakeholders for that open spaces become even more so yeah. what happens is the elderly want to sit but the children can't play that time and yeah. that kind of creates a lot of like pull push for that same open space between yeah. different generations and who is the one who has to give up it yeah. is always the children yeah you know because uh, Uh, the seniority takes place you know so everybody and slowly you kind of start getting this uh, understanding of you know uh, that we are not welcome yeah and so yeah. when you talk about how new playgrounds are designed i think first of all what gated colonies first of all gated colonies should not be there but yeah. wherever there are gated colonies they should not start bifurcating the space but let the their uh, residents their the residents of uh, the children where those who are living there should co-design those open spaces yeah because what will happen is a lot of informal play will start coming in they yeah. will understand that you know uh, there are elderly they need uh, spaces yeah. maybe it corners could come out but i think when uh, we offer something like a ready product to a yeah. population that is going to live for 50 years 60 years you know like generations are living in that area you don't uh, you should leave room for innovation you should leave room for dialogue and i think public spaces can be that platform with children's leadership to yeah. transform you know how we live together how we grow together Yeah. Uh, on on that point I, i i think i would then come to the point where it comes with the sensitization of parents or grandparents and how can that be done in an effective manner so that these bifurcations don't apply to children because i think they are major part of this pull and push to create that bifurcation uh, it's mm-hmm. it's elderly it's not the children who are creating that bifurcation so how can we sensitize that population more and more so uh, it's very interesting you ask me this because i have been often wondering why is this word other in our language or in our dictionary at all yeah and what we try to do with human kind is try to eliminate this word called otherness mm-hmm. you know or when we do our uh, participatory uh, exercises we hear a lot of they yeah so i think it starts with uh, heart the heart first yeah. of all for us we really want to understand i think there are these fears and mindsets that have been shaped over generations yeah and it's not easy to break them so that's why it's very uh, important to get some shared purpose between the community mm-hmm. and when you bring that degree of yeah. uh, uh, a purpose probably that is the time more listening happens they drop judgment they drop suspicion yeah. you know so right now if i again come back to the gated colony example yeah. there are so many divisions within a gated colony that even if we want to ask them to let poor in and use their playground it's far from yeah. you know uh, far yeah. from happening so the first thing is that the social cohesion the listening in that community has to open up to a higher degree 
and what yeah. we do with parents is that we try to just uh, so the first like what we do is that we just go with a very children led approach hmm. we tell them to create the blueprint like i told you and then see what the parents have to react because okay. then there is a right a shared blueprint already there now let's build upon it so yeah. i don't think any parent will say that uh, my child is you know does not deserve something like this everybody yeah. i think one is safety and the second is children these both are like a com- community need yeah a non negotiable community need like you know so we, we what we are trying to do is bring these two and open dialogues uh, yeah. modern yeah. lifestyle has stopped us from meeting yeah stopped us from talking i think we are just doing right. that wo baki everything starts opening up in its uh, you know there's no like deadline on your head that you need to become friends by the end of the day yeah. we just leave yeah. it uh, up to them and let them like meet often talk often engage and uh, it takes time we are human beings it takes time to absolutely for relationships to develop and i think when relationships are there then yeah. humanity survives yes i i absolutely hope that we are able to do such things more and more to break more boundaries as well on those lines uh, because that's absolutely necessary part of it uh, so coming to one of uh, the important questions so while we are designing uh, cities for children what kind of skill sets are we looking at because this is again a very subjective topic in itself it's not as uh, quantitative that we would want it to be so how, what are the kind of skill sets or what kind of uh, thought processes that we are looking behind this whole ecosystem yeah so uh, i think uh, first of all uh, india now has a new education policy that yeah. kind of focuses a lot on uh, you know scientific temper creativity critical yeah. thinking uh they also talk a lot about ethics and compassion hmm. so they're not looking at they're also looking at compassion as a science social yeah. emotional learning and i think these are the skills that actually when embedded will kind of help innovation happen in our uh, projects in our lives yeah um i definitely feel one important skill everybody needs is communication and listening this is one thing that i uh, personally have experienced experienced in my work yeah. uh, and i see that when that starts happening all the other skills start, get an avenue to be implemented otherwise yeah. those only remain skills um what also happens in uh, future we w- we would like to see you know leaders coming out of not work working population we need more yeah. leaders so even if you are looking at uh, any sort of work uh, in terms of uh, implementation of projects or even managing teams uh, yeah. what we would hope that these the new education policy could seed is a more ethical and altruistic leadership hmm. uh, because i think once we start listening to each other once we start uh, you know giving agency to each other and not hmm. become very concentrated on uh, what we have but what we can do uh, future skills like critical thinking uh, which will always be there creativity yeah. which will always be there can get a platform to flourish true true i i, I agree and i would like to like I, this was uh, i like to end it on another question on the lines that 
uh, when we are talking about uh, psycho uh, like communications in general this is something i feel uh, not just about kids but also about adult uh, and being uh, there are quite a lot of people who are introverts and for them they don't understand uh, especially as kids i feel that communication is different from talking so how how can those kind of things be developed into this ecosystem hmm. it it's great that you asked me because in uh, our work what we do is we use a lot of visual notes okay for communication so it's yeah. not about words yeah. always yeah uh, but it's yeah. about listening from different aspects right so we yeah. use a lot of drawing we use a lot of so it, that is where the creativity aspect comes from uh, yeah. you know where it will help you bring communities together maybe looking at visual communication maybe looking at you know just drawing maybe yeah. just looking at some just being in a space and being in nature so uh, we kind of like look at a very set setting of how communities should interact yeah but because communities are different i think we should come up with different ways of how they could communicate as well True. so it's all about like uh, again i'll come back to listening as a very uh, embedded value yeah. of how we should approach future city design or even looking at new uh, because uh, listening from the heart will help you create uh, give platform to children uh, and yeah children will create beautiful cities <laughs> i i absolutely hope so that more and more children come out to create cities and humankind does that too any anything you uh, feel that we have missed out on this session and would like to cover nothing that it comes to my mind right now i'm uh, i'm i think we've done like a we've covered quite like a macro to a hyper local uh, sort of thing but i just want to like tell the listeners if if you have children around where you are living try and see small opportunities of giving them agency i think that yeah. makes a lot of difference try and uh, try stopping yourself from using the words they or yeah. other uh it's a difficult task uh, yeah. uh you have to be more conscious but uh, these small differences i think can help uh, generations move forward towards what we would want a low carbon and a happy planet yeah. so Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much Ruchi. This was absolutely a pleasure full conversation for me as well because I have always been curious that how this whole thing is now evolving and especially because the rate that with cities are growing we have to consider how it grows in future and how we consider the future of that cities in the hand. Thank you so much. Thanks to me. Thank you for this time. You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, check out our website www.niua.org/c-q. The show is conceptualized, produced and edited by Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate at CQ. You can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel, which can be accessed through the credits. Also don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates. Do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues. Do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode.